John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. This, John, is the High Game Podcast. No shit. <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing it again. Full disclosure. Yeah. This is take two. We have had this problem almost never. Like, I did the math, and what episode is this? Oh. What? This is episode 150. Love it. And... We have not hit the record button <laughs> twice in 150 episodes. Twice. Yeah. You know, one and a half percent. Who cares? It's a rounding error. I'd love to say we were at like five nines success rate, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say, John? Today, let's talk about guitars. Oh, that would be sweet. Guitars, and maybe we'll talk about pedal stuff. Okay, cool. Well, what? Maybe one other thing or two. All right. Well, I'm in West Seattle in the basement, mm. but viewers who are following closely might know already that you are in Palm Springs. Beautiful Palm Springs, California. It's lovely. Is it hot today? It's noon and it's probably like 75 out there. It's beautiful. Woke up, pulled some oranges out of the tree and made a big glass of orange juice. I'm hyped. <laughs> You've got me running, baby. You give me something with your revenue. You put the magic in me. I feel the magic when we do what we do. I can't do without you for too long. You're my situation, you're my good lover, my good lover, my good lover. 
Beverages. Beverages, Ed. What do you think of that? I love Billy Squire. We've discussed this a little bit. 150 episodes in, maybe it's time to retire the guitar podcast and start the Billy Squire podcast. Oh. What do you think about that? Billy Squire, he's retired from the music. Is he? He volunteers for the Central Park Conservancy in New York City. Okay. But not like licking stamps. Okay. Dude is out there planting trees and trimming hedges. That's great. I guess he just likes to work outside with the nature. Yeah. And you said Central Park, right? Central Park, New York City. Yes. Do you think that dude has a condo that looks out over Central Park? Good question. Don't know. I bet Billy Squire has a view of Central Park. That's what I'm saying. That could be. He's just working in his yard is what that dude's doing. <laughs> yes. Picking weeds out of his yard is what the dude is doing. Yeah. He's got that stroke me money. Central Park, it's well known as Billy Squire's backyard. Exactly. Yeah. I have a Topo Chico mineral water. Is it in the orange juice? Nope. I've got a bottle of Topo Chico, a lovely sparkling mineral water. Heche in Mexico. You know, I have a lovely sparkling water too. It's peach flavored. Oh. It is Soleil Signature Select. Safeway. A Safeway brand. Yeah. Yeah. Mmm, peachy. Well, that's great. Mine's just plain. It's water flavor. Of course, I have the requisite black coffee. Do you? I should have had a coffee with me, but I didn't do it. <sighs> Man. Did you like that sound I uh, was rocking? It sounds great. Well, the reason I played that song, even though I've played Billy Squire as recently as a couple of episodes ago, today we are talking about a Squire guitar. You're telling me that like it's a surprise? Yes. It was a surprise in the first round of recording when we did this. Yeah. And I was trying to piece together why you would play Billy Squire again. And it did not occur to me that, oh, right, the fucking guitar is a squire. <laughs> the most obvious reason did not occur to me. <laughs> I think that's a really good one. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. This is a paranormal series offset Telecaster. And we have a guest. Oh. The guest, as it happens, is inanimate. That is my favorite kind of guest. We have a guest pedal board. The entire pedal board for today's show has been loaned to us by Superfan Alex. How's the underside of that thing look? Is it just like buttoned up? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a bunch of pedals on a pedal train board with a voodoo power supply. And yeah, it's all done up. My traveling board is a fucking wreck. Hmm. I kind of think what I've settled on, I'm just going to keep. So I need to button this thing up because it's terrible. Yeah, the underside of mine, I try not to look at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wire the things and run the line, and then I just push the excess cable underneath. Yeah. You pick it up, and the whole bottom, it's just like the chassis of a car just falls out. Like chassis of cars do. Yeah, that's what they do, right? If you pick a car up, the whole underside just falls out. I think that's exactly right. Are you going to tell me about Alex's board? Superfan Alex is both a guitar and bass player. Okay. So he wanted a board that would serve double duty. Double duty. <laughs> yeah. So he had this board actually made for him. 
The only stock pedal on here is his tuner, which is a TC Electronic Polytune. When you say that, you mean every pedal? Yes. Each pedal is a bespoke pedal. For him? For him. How long did that take him, do you know? Superfan Alex can clarify this for us, but I think it was probably an ongoing thing. Yeah. Maybe the pedals were put together over time. It's such a killer idea. Man, everything is a one-off on the board. That's right. I'll give you the rundown. The first pedal is blue, (laughs) and it is an overdrive pedal. Give me the clean tone, and then give me the overdrive. Barely boosting right now. There you go. Yeah. Love it. So that's the blue pedal. Okay. Next in line is the silver pedal. Ooh. Plain enclosure. Doesn't say or have anything on it. Are the knobs labeled? No. (laughs) None of this stuff is labeled. (laughs) You either know or you don't. That's awesome. This is a fuzz. For the opening sound, I put the overdrive on with that fuzz. Love it. Keep going. Next in line is the black pedal. That's my favorite. Yeah, it has four knobs. Two are witch hat fender knobs. Oh, yeah. And two are kind of cupcake fender knobs. And there's a switch that can go left side, right side, or in the middle. What this is, Ed, I'll put it to the left side. It's a vibrato pedal. The left side is a black face vibrato circuit. And the right side is a brown face vibrato circuit. Black face. If I put it to the right side, I get the brown face circuit. If you have the depth and the speed set differently on each of these and then put it in the middle where you are combining the two, things get kind of cool. That's so wild. What a great idea. That pedal's killer. Next in line is another silver pedal. Mm -hmm. It has a bunch of knobs that are equally unlabeled. This is a flanger. Yep. Let's put on some dirt with the flanger. That's pretty nice, huh? a standalone flanger would ever make my pedal board. Okay, cool. (laughs) Next, you know that brown packing tape? Sure. Kind of looks like that, and it has some various graphics on it. Oh, graphics on this one. Yeah, there's an arm holding up a rifle, and the arm has a tattoo of a hammer and a sickle on it, (laughs) and appears to be surrounded by Chinese writing. 
I'm into this pedal, comrade. It is a delay pedal. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Next is the yellow pedal. It has a whole bunch of knobs that are unmarked. I am told this one is a combination of a supersonic fuzz gun and a fuzz factory. That oscillation. <laughs> it almost feels more usable than the supersonic fuzz gun. Yeah. Because that mode on the supersonic fuzz gun is effectively unusable. <laughs> Great. Lastly, Ed... There is a Vox Wah pedal. Okay. The Vox Wah pedal, as I was explaining to you in take one, <laughs> appears to have additional knobs and switches added to it. <laughs> that is the guest board that we will be using today, Ed. Man, that is just a perfect use of resources, you know? I think Alex perfected where to put your money. Yeah, you know what's pretty smart about this, too, is knowing that he was going to want the clean out, he made sure to put some dirt after as well as before the tuner. He's a smarty boy, that Alex. Superfan Alex, we are having a blast with this thing. You think uh, the high gain has a bunch of dummies that listen to it? No. Hell no. Every one of our viewers is handsome and beautiful yes. on both the inside and the outside. That's right. They're incredibly intelligent, and we love them all. Yes. It's a good thing, too, because that allows us to state these kinds of things as objective facts. These are not opinions. These are facts. Yeah. You don't have to wonder if we're laying it on thick. We're not. We're just telling it like it is. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I'm going to post a picture of my current little recording setup. Because it is the jankiest thing in the world right now. Your Palm Springs uh, setup? I've got a Benson amp next to me on a chair. I've got a laptop on a chair. I'll put a picture up. Okay, now you want to know about this thing? Oh, the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back to clean. Back in the 70s, Fender was stinking up the joint. Yep. CBS had bought them in 1965 and commenced to messing stuff up. All my favorite guitars are 70s Fender era, but continue. Fortunately for all of us that have 70s Fender guitars, it's not because of any particular design decision so much as, I don't know, less paying of attention to what they were doing. Therefore, for those of us that like these, you can find good examples. But, you know, word to the wise, if you're looking for a 1970s Fender, you will play one that sucks ass, and then you will play one that's amazing. You just gotta wait till you find the good one. <laughs> 
it does make the whole reverb purchase thing a little sketchy with 70s stuff. Yeah. They knew it. They knew they were having problems. So around about 1980, 1981, CBS brings in the Three Amigos, Ed, led by our man Bill Schultz. Schultzy, what's he up to? Ugh, Schultzy. Ugh. Who else? Schultzy, who else? Oh, Dan Smith and John McLaren. What are these guys up to? Oh, I have no idea, and I'm not going to pre-dong them, don't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably in the same little retirement-y community that I'm currently kicking it in, you know? They're probably down here in Palm Springs, relaxing by the pool. Go knock on some doors, see what you can find out. What are their names? John McLaren. McLaren. And Dan Smith. Okay. Yeah. I'll see what I can dig up. Yeah, that would be great. I'm on it, John. Enough said, done. The three amigos... They take a two-prong approach. Mm -hmm. First of all, they got to fix the mess that is manufacturing and quality control and fender. Sure. They set about upgrading the whole workflow from the factory itself to the people, to the materials, to the methods, all of it. Sure. While that is happening, they're like, if we want to build a new factory and such, what are we going to do? Let's move production over to Japan. And while we're at it, we can compete with all those Japanese copies that are so much better in quality right now. Sure. Japanese quality was just better at this point, or at least more consistent. So the three amigos were like, great, we'll get our shit in order here in the States while competing over in Japan, and we'll see what we can learn. While they set about rebuilding everything in the U.S., they fire up Fender Japan Limited, which is a partnership with Fujigen over there in Japan. Fujigen, we've talked about them a dozen times, probably more. Yeah, they were founded in 1960 and started making electrics about 62. And then came the ventures and that whole surf craze about mid-60s. Yep. It created a boom in Japan. For some reason, the Japanese just really resonated with the surf. Sure. So their ability to make electric guitars increased with that demand. And they began making them for many other companies as well. To the point, Ed, where Fujigen, by 1970, was making about 14,000 guitars per month. That feels like a crazy number to me. Yeah. That feels like an insane number. I wonder how long they sustained that kind of output. Yeah. It's not as much as the Chicago boys were doing in their heyday. Yeah. Okay. I'll allow it, John. Thank you. So this is who the three amigos, led by Schultze, get to be the manufacturing arm of the Fender Japan Limited Partnership. They're going to start making guitars for Fender. But Schultze doesn't want to put the Fender name on them in case something goes horribly wrong. What if... Fujigen makes a whole bunch of guitars, and they suck worse than the U.S. made ones. Yeah, like, exactly. You're going to dilute your brand, and then you're done. Yeah. They got to call them something else, Ed. Uh -huh. They call them Squires. Fender had the Squire name sitting in its back pocket for a while. You know why? I could pretend not to know why, like this is the first time I've heard this story. <laughs> or I could tell the viewers that Fender had a line of guitar strings called Squire. They bought a company. Yes. And so they had this brand, Squire, just sitting around. Yeah. They bought Squire strings in the 60s. 
they maintained that brand until the early 70s, and then it just kind of fell out of use, but they resurrected it for this venture to call these guitars Squires. That way, if the whole thing just went horribly wrong, it wouldn't damage the Fender name. Right. And they started out with two models. The Bullet. I think you know about the Bullet guitar. We did that guitar. We did the Squire Bullet. Yep. Then they were also making cheaper versions of the Strats and Tellys. That's what they started with. The Japanese Squire Strats and Tellys. We have not done one of those. No. I would love to get my hands on one of those early 80s first-run Telecasters. I bet they're killer. The Fujigen guys, by all accounts, were badasses. I think your sense about this is right, that the stuff that they were doing was very complete in terms of quality. I can see early-era Squires being pretty good. And it went well. They were popular. And then the legal problems started. Our guy Billy comes at him with his stroke me money. That's right. Billy Squire is concerned. He has concerns, Ed. Yeah, sure. Billy Squire is concerned that there will be confusion in the market between an inanimate object used for playing music and a long-haired stroke me dude who makes the music. (laughs) And a long-haired stroke me dude. Yeah. Right now that doesn't describe me. But I feel like there have been points in my life when I could easily have been the long-haired stroke me dude. Fortunately, everything ended up fine. It was settled out of court. I don't really know what the agreement was. They probably gave him condo in Central Park money. Oh. So now he's just out there working in his yard. Out in the yard. See? The first of these guitars that were doing so incredibly well were only available in Europe. Okay. You could get them for the same price as a copy, yet cheaper than an American Fender. Yeah. You're going to buy a Squire and you're going to fucking like it. You're going to play this and like it. Along comes 1984, Ed. CBS finally sells Fender. I guess they've had it. They can't hang. They don't know what to do. Yeah. But fortunately for us, our man Schultze gets a group together and buys it. McLaren and Smith, were they still in there? As far as I know, they were still there. As far as we know, they're just hanging out right now. Yeah. Making sandwiches for people, having beverages. Great guys, those two. Yep. Unless they're down in the complex you're staying in right now playing golf or something. Who knows? Maybe there's a canasta match going on tonight. Look into that, would you? Mm Mm-hmm. That's great. Schultze's already in the house, so he knows what the score is. He should be able to make this thing work. Except CBS does not include in the sale the factory that Schultze built the equipment he put in it, or the IP that he developed around the whole thing. Okay. Schultz's like, oh, shit, I got to move all the manufacturing to Fender Japan while I start all over. 1985, that's what he does. He starts all over again. He builds a whole new factory in Corona, California. Hell yeah, Fender, California. Guitars are being made in Japan while this gets rolling. By the end of 85, it's done, and they can kind of start bringing stuff back. In the meantime, the Japanese guys had started developing funky models of Squires. Sharp, pointy, butt-rocky things, super strat shapes. They were experimenting and would later come up with what I hold in my hand here, which is an offset Telecaster. 
This is essentially what it sounds like. An offset body along the lines of a Jazzmaster, yet all the appointments the same as those you would find on a Telecaster. I think the offset body with the Tele hardware is killer. It's the best idea. What do you think of that? It's a pretty good idea. I like it. I like it a lot. That guitar you're holding? Yes. That's an Ed Peterson guitar. Yeah, this comes from the private collection of Ed Peterson. <laughs> I bought this back when they first came out, and those Paranormal Squires were super popular. I bought it thinking we would do this episode. You know, they were like 400 bucks for any of those Paranormal guitars, and I just thought like, oh, we should do this. And then... I'll be honest, John. Yes. I didn't fall in love with the guitar quite as much as I wanted to. And so it just kind of went in the rack. Well, let's see what's up with it. Okay. Like we do, I put everything in the middle. Yep. There are two single coil pickups like you would expect on a Telecaster. And here we go. Clean sound. How bridgey can we make this thing? How about Necky? I think I can see what you're saying, Ed, and I wonder if the experience wouldn't be improved by different pickups. Is that something you gave some thought to? Yeah. My kind of initial thoughts on it are, I don't love the pickups, for sure. Right. It feels like it's pretty custom built to be modified. So I almost feel like going into it, they knew people would be putting different pickups in. So it's routed to take whatever you want to throw in it. For a Squire, it's solid, like nine plus verging on 10 pounds. And the neck is okay. You know, it's got that finish on it and it's just not super smooth and super playable. Right. So like between heavy kind of crappy pickups and not a great neck, <laughs> like it feels like the finish on the back of the neck, you're right, is kind of thick. Yep. So I don't know if it would benefit from having somebody sand that down just a tad. Yeah. But the action itself seems fine. Yeah, it's fine. We've had a few guitars lately that we've described as perfect and spot on in terms of playability and feel and everything. This certainly is not one of them. No, I don't think so. But by the same token, for a $400 guitar, if this was going to be somebody's first electric guitar ever, I think you could do a lot worse, especially when you start putting on the pedals. It does what it's supposed to do there. Don't you think? Yeah, for sure. Some kid picks this up and has some dirt pedals or something. It's going to be fine. I think it maybe doesn't make our list, does it? <laughs> I think that for a $400 guitar, it's great. You know, I don't love the idea of buying a $400 guitar and then throwing two to $300 in new pickups in it. Right. And putting a new wiring harness and maybe changing the saddles. There's just so much stuff you could do to it. Right. By the 90s, they were making Squire Vista series guitars in different shapes that we are maybe more familiar with. We know about the Jagmaster, the Supersonic. 
they have a paranormal supersonic now. Our man Nick Reinhardt likes that one. Yep. They made the Venus 6 and 12 string guitars. It was a favorite of Courtney Love. Oh, sure. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being hard on this guitar because I've kind of got other guitars that I just like more. It's a difficult comparison for us, perhaps, especially since we also own boutique guitars. And so it's not like we're comparing a stock instrument to another stock instrument. Yeah. Here is an imported stock instrument compared to a boutique instrument. I do also wonder the American version of this offset. Would it be worth the difference? Huh. That guitar you're holding, it's 400 bucks. The American version is 14? Is that Delta perceivable? I've got to think it's going to at least have different pickups in it. So, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. By 2015, Fender ended the partnership with the Fuji Gen boys and decided to just fire up a wholly owned Fender subsidiary. That was just 2015? 2015, yeah. Huh. Do they still do the distinction of made in Japan, crafted in Japan? Is that still a thing? It is still a thing. Okay. Huh. I don't know. It's just when you get that big and you're doing it at that kind of scale, it just feels like a fucking mess. Made in Japan, crafted in Japan. Then they've got Korea and China, Indonesia and Vietnam and Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a nightmare. Yeah, man. So, I don't know. Kid looking for his first guitar, Squire, for sure. Do it. Yeah. We've talked about its playability and its features and its sound compared to the American-made higher-end stuff. Maybe what we didn't mention is, is there anything about these Squires that we think is prohibitive? Is there any reason to tell that kid buying his first guitar, don't do it? I think not. Yeah, they're totally playable. That, Ed, yep. is the offset telly. I think round two was even better than round one, John. Round one lost to the ages. Yep. Who gives a shit? Trust us, everybody. This one's superior. From here on out, uh huh. you should just forget to click the record button. We do the whole episode, and then we come back a day or two later and do it again. Dry run. Exactly. The downside is I know the whole story, but that's okay. I'm barely paying attention anyway. You've got data-driven development. Sure. Maybe this is incompetence-based storytelling. Just in time. Agile. <laughs> We're doing it over here. That's right. Yeah. Uh, where can people find us, Ed? Oh, man. They should totally go to Instagram. Give us a follow on Instagram. Uh, we would love that. They should go to Facebook, maybe. They should go to Twitter, maybe. They should totally go to patreon.com slash the high game. We are cranking out a bonus episode a week that goes to the Patreon viewers. Uh, a couple weeks later, I post them for everyone to see, but you don't want that. You want it fresh. You want it fresh and timely, like, uh, you know. Like an episode recorded twice? Yeah. Thehighgain.com is our website. It's a pretty good one, we think. Sure. Send us a mail, thehighgainpod at gmail.com. We like answering questions and knowing stuff. Yep. You did great from down there in the desert. Thank you. Happy 150, John. Happy 150, Ed. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.